0: And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Michael Sandler, former pro athlete, best-selling author, co-creator of the School of Mystics and AWE, The Automatic Writing Experience. He is a fellow YouTube content creator and host of the popular Inspire Nation show, Michael has had, oops,
1: (laughs) Michael is having a bad moment pressing the wrong button. Michael
0: is currently having his third NDE and he is back. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Michael has had two NDEs, which we will learn about today and more. Michael, thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Jeff, for having me here today.
0: So if you don't mind, can we start with your near-death experiences and how they
1: changed you? Certainly. So um, how they changed me? Well, that's a brilliant question. So um, I was the same me before NDE number one, but different. Mm -hmm. Um, I call April 2nd, 2006 my new birthday. And it's because the old me uh, died, left on that day. The new me was born, uh, which is somebody who is – I got the big picture, Jeff. That's the best way to put it. There was the little me picture, and then there's the big me picture. There's a very greater understanding of everything and everyone, how we're all interlaced, and all of that good stuff, which, which obviously goes beyond words. But uh, ego loves to sneak in the back door and try to come up with words for it anyway. Um, but I became much more about others than focused on myself. And that was the NDE number one and, and softer, um, but much more focused on others. NDE number two was a direct result of NDE number one. Um, and in fact, the technically speaking, I had, a, after NDE number one, I had a, a titanium femur or titanium rod through my left femur, titanium rod through my left hip. So, titanium femur, titanium hip, and some associated hardware to hold it together. After my second NDE, I had matching <laughs> titanium rod through my right, you know, all matching stuff to balance me out. Number one set me on my path. Number two was part of a trifecta. There was not a third NDE, thankfully, there was a third accident, but a trifecta to open up my heart and um, let go of um, the egoic driving and striving that I'd been doing. And when I say ego in the back door, for myself, learning the big picture, wanting to help others, wanting to teach, wanting to... Well, my mission is raise people's vibration, elevate consciousness, shift humanity. At the time after NDE number one, I thought that meant by slaying myself, pushing myself, driving myself. And NDE number two was the universe's way of saying, you didn't get the message, did you? (laughs) It all comes from love. And that starts in here. And the accident that followed NDE number two which cracked open all the bones in front of my heart, above my heart, behind my heart, basically around my heart, was to crack me wide open to finally, and you don't have to learn through these things. (laughs) There's kinder easier ways um, to, to live in that wide open heart space. And so I am, I was a nice guy before Jeff, but there's a part of me that wants to say, you're an asshole. (laughs) I don't know if I can (laughs) say that, but um, I was so much more about me. And um, it wasn't that I wasn't a nice guy because I was on the spiritual path since I was a little kid. I can remember mystical experiences as early as five. But there was a shedding that needed to take place or a cracking open. And that's what these things provided me.
0: You mentioned that you didn't get it the first time.
1: Do you think you planned these NDEs out pre-birth? You do and you don't. You do insofar as um, you plan the nodes on your timeline, the big events that are going to take place, how it's going to occur, what it's going to look like, You don't know. And that's probably a good thing that you don't know. So I do know, and I've seen it in a past life regression. I've seen it at other times as well. I went before the equivalent of a council of elders. And they said, what do you want to learn this next time? And I'm like, I want to learn it all. Give me the works. And they're like, no, no, Michael, because your personality is still your personality anywhere. Energy is still energy. Uh, And they're like, no, no, Michael, what do you want? I'm like, give me the works. And I got the works. So specific events got to take place to steer me on my path because I wasn't getting the learnings elsewise. Had I been able to get the learnings in another means, then those specific nodes on the timeline probably didn't need to take place. However, they're very high level teachings. And so it may have been that uh, NDE number one was completely and totally unavoidable. And D number two, it's interesting because titanium wise, I'm identical. I'm matched, which suggests that this was definitely preordained. But maybe I didn't have to be. Maybe I could have made the shift beforehand, but the egoic drive and strive and push and, and achieve and charge part of me just wouldn't shut down. And so I I, I had a conversation with my spirit on, on the side of the, the volcano Haleakala. And I was living in Maui years later, and I'm, I'm crutching along after NDE number two on the hillside. And, and uh, my higher self is like, if I had to, I was going to take you out because I needed to stop you. <laughs> I needed to stop you cold. And this is the only way I could get through.
0: Do you think that our suffering in life happens because they are learning opportunities
1: Humankind is weird, Jeff. We are a very interesting beingness or spirit uh, that believes at this level of consciousness, we believe we need challenge to learn. In fact, you can look at any country out there. You can look at what's going on with humanity and the planet today. It is not until not only are we facing the cliff, but we're halfway down the cliff. (laughs) that we we make great change that's where humanity 1.0 more than that but you get what i'm saying that's where we're at right now and so i chose to incarnate into that current uh, paradigm which meant that's how i'm going to learn now i'd like to say i have evolved i'll put that in quotes beyond that uh, I'm not sure if we fully can, while we are all in the same vibrational soup, the same energy you and I share, a same frequency as everybody else on this planet. Um, but I've been able to, we can call it, negotiate the contract enough that it is far less than it used to be. I can learn now much more easily without the suffering if I'm willing to let this has never been said this way by me before my ego suffer my ego gets very uncomfortable, Jeff, if I do this one thing on air which might make you very uncomfortable which is Oh, he's very energetically sensitive if I do nothing the egoic Mine doesn't, like. we're not getting it now. The stillness, the silence, we'll give him a few more crows. And then if, if he doesn't stop, I'll introduce you to him. I'll introduce everybody to Rue and then I'll have him take a moment. I would love to meet Rue. All right, hold on. Let me get Rue. And then we're going to go back because he's the most energetically sensitive creature you will ever meet. And so when I hit a high point and my high point was silence, he, <laughs> took the you. Well, on. the
0: universe is
1: always speaking to us, right? Yeah, it's our job to listen, and with a rooster, it ain't hard. Hold on here. <laughs> here we go.
0: You know he is beautiful. I think, and it's an amazing that you have a roo or a rooster. I guess I mean you. I think you call him Roo, and I could almost do a whole podcast just on Roo.
1: Well, he is going to be starting. We've had him for over two years, Mm -hmm. but the timing hasn't felt right. And and we're not trying to exploit anyone or anything. So the timing just hasn't been there. Uh, And I hear the universe going, that's an excuse. Okay, be that as it may, uh, we are going to start a TikTok channel and maybe a YouTube channel probably in the next week or two called Ruru the Guru. He's very energetically sensitive and he's absolutely mesmerizing
0: he looks at home in your arms
1: he is he is he is very calm in my arms he's holding space he's watching energy a rooster's job is only two things jeff procreate and protect and so he takes sensitivity He's, he's watching you. He's watching your energy. He's basically watching your thoughts, myself, my energy, my thoughts, the baby's energy, her thoughts. Um, he can, as far as I can tell, see emotions. Because if I have an errant emotion, half a house away, he'll start screaming. Hmm. Sort of like when I went silent there and I said, it's going to be uncomfortable. He started screaming. So he really helps or demands That you watch your energy.
0: He's an energy alarm.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, he definitely is. Aren't you good boy?
0: I think he's amazing.
1: So, well, maybe you have some questions for him before he takes a nap.
0: Well, I first want to say he's the most beautiful rooster that I've (laughs) ever seen. And as a cohabitor of your house. How do you create a space for him? And where so, does he live? Like in a in a cage or I hate to use the word cage, but some kind of barrier because I would assume you don't want him. or Maybe you do. Let him just roam around your house.
1: It depends where we're living. So right now we're in an Airbnb. So he has his own space that uh, there's like this little barrier thing set up around it and a nice giant massive yoga mat floor that he's on Um, and he has a uh, huge soft kennel in that space which has uh, his two uh, uh, girlfriends which are stuffed animals Susie Q and Henrietta and so he watches over them and then when he sleeps at night he sleeps in his own own bedroom in a soft kennel Um, and he also uh, rides shotgun all the time he has the passenger seat in the Tesla. And so anytime I'm going for a ride or a drive, he's going with me. So how did you and
0: Rue, you know, come together in the first place?
1: So we were my wife and I were uh living in Colorado. So far as fire, I think it was just starting to get cranky at that point. It would chase us out about <laughs> a month or so later. And um There was a a beautiful sunset in the making, and it was you needed to really cross this valley and go to another hillside to see it well. Usually, you can't make it across the valley in time, and I asked my wife, did you want to try to make it? She said, yeah, so we hopped in the car. We drove over to catch the sunset. We didn't make it. Uh, The old days, the old Michael would have been pretty disappointed. Uh, Attachment wasn't in this attachment place. I was like well, there's a reason we're on top of this beautiful Colorado Mesa and it's getting dark <laughs> and we didn't catch anything. And we raced over here. And I said, I'm guessing on the way down, we'll figure out what that reason is. We turned the car around. We started Absolutely. down the hill and there on the, the kind of twisty, turdy mountain highway before us was a, a chicken literally running across the road in a panic. And I asked half jokingly, I said, uh, Uh, to my wife i said do you want to find out why the chicken crossed the road and is it okay will you feel comfortable and safe if i pull up over the car and i go see if i can help out so pulled over the car ran across the road he was beside himself i'm sorry i'm telling this story again because it's got a happy ending it does have a happy ending, doesn't it good it does took about 15 minutes of talking to him and convincing him, because cars are whizzing by and you hold your breath with each car that comes by, that it's much better to go with me. I had to take off my T-shirt, scoop him up, uh, put him in the Tesla. In fact, there's a a video, I think it's called the Ruru Story on our Inspire Nation YouTube channel, where we record him in the first 30 seconds of me in the Tesla. And uh, looked, looked, uh, did everything we could to see if somebody had, Lost a chicken uh, in town. Nobody had. Um, he was about five months of age. He was about a third of this size. And uh, first few nights he spent in the garage, kind of off by himself. <laughs> and then he just started to warm up to us, mm. and then warm up to us. And then I moved my desk from working inside to working outside of the house, so you could see the flames in the distance. It was kind of wild. Um, but he would just curl up by my leg, or hop on the desk. And, uh, then he started going for walks with us and then fire chased us out. We ended up in our first RV, um, and he was doing the RV tour with us. And we're now a couple of years later and he's, uh, he's not easy is it? Uh, to, I'm probably a full on rooster whisperer to be able to pull this off. Mm-hmm. And it takes the level of love and patience is it really is off the charts, um, But it goes both ways. The amount of love and patience that he has is off the charts because we're not giving him the normal farm life. He's getting something that may be considered better, but is very, very radically different. Right. And he loves it.
0: Well, I think your next book is going to be called The Rooster Whisperer.
1: (laughs) It could be. That could be a fun one, wouldn't that, Roo? That would be a fun
0: book. You know, you're welcome to let him hang with you on your lap for the rest of our time together. It, it doesn't bother me at all. And actually, it's, it's kind of calming to look at him.
1: We'll, we'll We'll go for it and see where we get. How's that?
0: All right. You know, I wanted to ask, because it sounds like that you have had some kind of psychic ability since you were a child. Is that correct? And if so, was there some kind of catalyst that started this for you?
1: So it's interesting, I was Jeff, because it, it's 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 fun to see what universe brings you or, or the themes and how they weave together. I was just writing about this this morning for a teaching I'm doing on YouTube tonight. Um, I was a very sensitive child. Well, it turns out that what we call empaths, and I know everybody in your audience is an empath, that sensitivity is a plugging in to a higher... Um, higher vibratory messages different ways of hearing the universe between, beyond the eyes the ears and so forth and so i was very sensitive early on i didn't know what in the world to do with those skills and growing up where i did it um it didn't exactly give the outcome that you desired <laughs> i was uh, beaten up teased or you know <laughs> tortured by the kids on a regular basis Because I was sensitive. What does that mean? Well, for whatever reason, um, probably because kids aren't all that well taken care of, if you find somebody you can pick on and get a rise out of them, it makes you feel better. So I was a beautiful target to help other kids feel better. How's that? (laughs) So I didn't really know what to do with this sensitivity as a child. Um, and it created quite the feedback loop. It would be easy to get a rise out of me because I was very sensitive <laughs> to people not liking me. Um, it wasn't really until there were all sorts of hints and interesting things going on in a childhood, but it wasn't until really. I was racing in bicycles in Europe (laughs) and trying to make it to the Tour de France. This was a long time ago. And I got waved by a French safety official through a blind turn into an oncoming car. This is the give me the works. And as I lay there on the side of the road, broken in many ways, I thought, God is dead. There is no God. It is the six and a half or seven years of healing and suffering and struggling emotionally, physically, label PTSD, label the works, that I was really able to start down the spiritual path and get it. There had been glimpses before. And and again, give me the works. The year before that, when I raced bicycles in Europe... Um, I finished a very difficult season. I came home to the States. I was out riding with my uh, college cycling friends and got hit head on by a motorcycle on a mountain bike trail, cracking my skull and some other things, but cracking a kneecap in two. And I did what everybody would do to heal their knee because there's a big bike ride coming up in three weeks. I took a pen, pretended that there was light coming out of it. And for the next two and a half, three weeks, I filled in the gaps to where I went back to the doc and said, can I do this bike ride? This is like a hundreds of mile bike ride. And, you know, I'm still in a cast. And he looks under x-ray. And what happens is when a bone heals, you don't see anything. And then many, many months later, you start to see that it is filled in with kind of, we'll call it a calcified scar tissue. It already had that. It had been fully healed for so long. How is that even possible? But I knew for some reason to play with light. So it's it's been in there, but I just didn't know what it was or what to do with it. The thing is, last note, it's in every one of us.
0: I find that a lot of my guests who have had near-death experiences have cognitive changes which in my opinion are psychic afterwards did you find any new changes like that after yours
1: light light stopped being a two-dimensional thing and started becoming three-dimensional or we can go woo fifth dimensional blah 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 it started having texture it started having more meaning to it more brilliance more color uh i was living in boulder colorado and suddenly (laughs) a guy who doesn't own a camera, use the camera, anything has all of these sunrise and sunset photos and galleries across town and and coffee shops. And you knows where I I had a uh, gallery in Japan as well. And for a brief while gallery in Germany that had my photos of how I was seeing light uniquely and could bring it back through the camera Mm -hmm. uh, because I saw colors in ways that I couldn't before. Mm -hmm. And I saw uh, auras or torrents of light coming off of trees, for instance, spiraling up into the heavens. And and I can remember on my first crutch experience, I was by a a place in Boulder called NCAR, National Center for Atmospheric Research. And I'm there ghastly white. Nobody will even say hi to me because they're afraid I'm going to die on the trail. I've got all this hospital garb on. I've got, you know, these walker crutches and I'm wobbling. And my leg is covered with stockings uh, to, to... Ted hose, I guess they call it, to bring the circulation back up. And I'm staring at a tree, and I'm watching the light come off of the tree. And I'm like, oh, man, life is good. So that was the change, the biggest early change that took place, was being able to see light in new ways.
0: Before your NDE, were you a religious person? Spiritual.
1: Spiritual, okay. So I was Gifted with an awesomely confusing <laughs> childhood. So I went to, if I get it all right, Catholic nursery school, Hebrew kindergarten, after school and weekend Hebrew school through 13, a uh, Unitarian eighth grade uh, junior high school, Catholic high school (laughs) and 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 then after um getting hit by the car i ended up uh dating a navajo girl and went to um i would go uh, i i was participating in temple in church and a native american church and native american ceremonies basically i wanted to soak it all in like In Catholic high school, they put the good Jewish boy right next to the priest's office, uh, if that wasn't a hint. And I would go hang out in the priest's office and talk shop. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. I wasn't into the doctrine, the dogma. And, you know, every single English teacher in Catholic school is saying, well, this person fell in the water. What did that mean? Baptism. And, you know, <laughs> I wasn't in all it. I was just like, but I just wanted to learn and understand. And, and, uh, so prior to the NDE, and prior to the NDE, I was, I was meditating. I had already done, um, Don't try this at home, Jeff. I am not a trained professional. I had already done two operations, one on my leg, uh, one on my sinuses, without any pain medication, just meditating my way through. So I was going down the rabbit hole, but I had no idea what I was in for. None at all.
0: From HNDE, what are the gifts that you have learned from them that you feel are Necessary to share with everybody.
1: Gonna be a hard question to answer, because Ru, do you need a nap? In a minute, he might be saying he needs a nap. Will we try a few more minutes. What you get to me out of an NDE is a couple. Of, you get many things. You get an unlimited number of things, but one of them is a greater understanding, and. um a greater understanding of the world, a key, should you choose to use it, to open a door to, we'll call it the other side of the veil, uh, anytime you want, if you wish to come back to it. Once you've gone gone there once, there's no reason you can't go there again, without the pyrotechnics, um, but you can get back to that space if you, if you wish to really avail yourself of it, choose that. Um, so there's the learnings, there's the means of communicating or getting back there, but the greatest teachings are something that, I'm gonna go to NDE number two. NDE number two, I'm stuck in a creek bed. Um, I've already not really seen a tunnel, but light has tunneled in on me. I've chosen to come back. I'm bleeding out internally. When emergency, it's so okay, we're- Breathe deep. When emergency workers get to me, there's no blood pressure. There's no reason I should still be alive. And I was in this creek bed, racked in pain, holding on for my life, which is kind of an exaggeration. What I was doing is breathing in light, sending out love, breathing in light, sending out love for about an hour's time. What I was doing though is, or what the universe doing was doing, was giving me downloads, information far beyond the conscious mind or the spoken word that still unpacks itself today. So the learnings will probably be a lifetime's worth where I will act or say or do something differently, not just because there's now this connection. I used to call it a fiber optic cable. Now it's a fiber optic uh, tunnel. that's what I teach people with like automatic writing or school of mystics is how to create your own fiber optic tunnel. So there's that connection with the other side. But then there's beings and doings and understandings that when the time is right, kind of pop and open themselves up. They're like time release capsules from the MDE that I didn't even know existed.
0: Well, you mentioned the school of modern mystics. How do you define, you know, what is it to be a modern
1: mystic? A mystic is simply, the easiest way to describe it is you hear without ears, you see without eyes, you think without thoughts, you're living here and on the other side of the veil at the same time, meaning I, on the one level, I'm speaking with Jeff and I've got a rooster in my hands, which is quite unusual. On another level, I'm seeing and connecting with the spirit of Jeff. I'm outside of just this desk and this home and this environment, taking a perspective from a thousand uh, feet or a thousand light years above and seeing this big picture of the world. I'm understanding that we were brought here together at this time for a specific reason. I'm understanding that Rue crowed (laughs) at this time for a specific reason and that literally him walking across the road was in some way directly so that he could be sitting before you and sitting before those who are watching your show and understanding how all these tentacles, tentacles. Yeah. Fit together and, and connect us in this, this ever changing web that goes far beyond anything we can see, feel, hear or imagine. And so a modern mystic is somebody who understands, hey, I'm really energetically sensitive. I don't know why, but honestly, this place freaks me out. <laughs> There's got to be a reason for it. And if you learn how to dial in those skills, you realize you're you're only a step or two away from being able to see beyond, we'll call it the matrix. There's no big Bad matrix trying to get you. This is a learning opportunity. And the humanity has chosen its point to learn with challenge. So we need it. Thank you, teacher, for instance. But we're able to take that step to see outside of ourselves. The whole world changes. There's such a richness to it when you are no longer, it's so cliche, stuck in this world but you're on it. You're watching things. So you can see, oh, wow, they're saying this on the news again. Well, that's pretty creepy. I know what that is about. This is taking place. I understand why that's taking place. Look what's going on globally. Wow. This is part of our awakening. Look at how people are coming together. Isn't this cool? Oh, my God. I'm really nervous this morning. Let me step back. Oh, I can see inside of myself what's going on. You're no longer limited to things are just as they are. So like right now, my school of mystics, we have a three-month program we're going through right now where it's been last month was about seeing beyond the eye. has to do with your third eye, your pineal gland, but being able to really take in knowledge and information that you can't see with the two eyes in front of you. And now it's about hearing. How can I get in acoustical alignment, vibratory alignment, have a harmonic convergence, you could say. Be here from spirit without words. How can I play with that? And then it will be about thought. They're all trainings into things we are all already capable of. We came here with these super skills. They're, they're part of who we are. But then in the first few years to maybe decade, decade and a half, particularly with modern schooling, it's all kicked out of us for our own safety. We think I've got to dim that light, but it's in all of us. And so a modern mystic just has that light cranked each in our unique way to the max again.
0: What do you think that your students get the most benefit from learning the information or doing the activities that you require them to do
1: being bathed in the energy of the information not the actual thought of it it's like it toggles switches we can call it epigenetics and now are my students without me needing to say a word start to come to the greater understandings on their own they start to put all the pieces of the puzzle together it's like luke skywalker in uh in what was it the millennium falcon and and he's trying to learn how to hit an orb uh, with his lightsaber with his eyes closed. Did he use that exact skill later on? Probably not. But it goes into his psyche, this understanding that there is a force, that there is an energy, there is a connection between each one and everything. So I do give an exercise a week for people. They're pretty cool. And right now, things like opening the third eye, that's something you do for life. That's really cool. But it goes beyond that. It's helping you build a new structure or understanding, a new map, a new map of the world that's beyond the map that you were given. And then it allows you to walk through the world in a different way. And so I can't say it's a particular thing I say or a particular thing I have you do. It's your new, uh, we'll go to um, neuroplasticity the new neural highways that you're going to create and the new possible highways you're going to create because of it.
0: Do you think it's very important that we're here on the earth at this time? And if so, why?
1: Oh, this is the show, man. This is what it's all about. I truly believe spirit and calm people have queued up from around the universe or universe is. Think of how many spirits must be out there. We got 8 billion known human spirits. On this planet, just human ones. Forget about Rue has a spirit every bit as much alive and, and kick it as we do. Um, we chose to come here at this time, this time of ascension, this time of shift, this time of really it's a bifurcation. We have a choice. I believe we've made the choice and we've made it for the positive. But we have a choice of, well, that's it for humanity, or at least for this round. Or we're going to choose and ascend to something else. And I think it's fun and it's exciting and it's hard and painful and challenging and difficult and incredible and awesome. All of it wrapped together. And I think spirits from around the universe have queued up, gotten in line, ourselves included, to be here at this time. And it's a time of, this isn't a slow time of change. I know they're talking about, you know, we're entering an age of Aquarius. We've got several hundred thousand years. We've got 400,000 years that this is the long, slow change. Yeah, but we are on an accelerator of accelerators. Just go turn on your weather channel and you'll see that things are not, are not going to continue the way I are uh, more than a few years. I mean, go look at the political systems. Go look at COVID nuttiness or whatever. Everything is in change. And if we can get past the story, the little me story, it's okay, Rue. He's standing up very tall, very alert right now. There you go. Let's just melt over. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and he's saying, I'm a little hungry, daddy. If we can get past the story of what does this mean for my individual life? And look, big picture what's going on. Holy smokes. It's pretty cool. Scary, hard, challenging, but wow.
0: I'm glad you went into the Ascension because I've talked to many guests about it. I kind of feel like you gave us your interpretation of it, but what does it look like when we finally get there? What is the promised land like?
1: Great question. I don't have the answer. My guess is that this is an evolutionary process. Maybe the universe doesn't even have the answer. There is no place to get to. It is the continuously a continuously evolving process of opening up, shedding the hold, getting even more into a heart space or something like that. I look at it to me coming from a, a, I'm a science geek. So uh, if I go to you know physics and an electron um, uh, electron state changed. So you, you have an electron that starts vibrating at its level that's going around the nucleus, and it's vibrating, it's vibrating, vibrating, and it starts to look really violent at some point because of the amount of energy it's in there. It's probably not having the most fun day. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, bing, it's up at a next level, spinning around at an even higher level of evolution, nice and calm and relaxed. And then it starts vibrating and vibrating and faster and faster and, and more and more nervously, and, and then bing, and to the next level. I don't know where that process ends. I do believe... That we are at a level of heaviness or density where um, we think everything, uh, it's its such a bizarre planet to think that we are required to work, to live. We can't just be and live. You must pay your way. Um, you're not just allowed to exist. It's such an interesting level. You would never tell that to a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> you would never say, what's your day job squirrel the squirrel would be like i'm gonna eat some nuts i'm gonna go play and you know i'm gonna be with my partner life is good you'd never tell that to any other animal on the planet well we've tried unfortunately but with humanity we dictate that it has to be this working planet that's not the case and so we will evolve beyond that to where um We exist more harmoniously, energetically, and I don't know what that will look like. We will be more from the heart at that point. Probably chances are we can manifest with a single thought, but that doesn't mean the learnings are done. That's like humanity 1.0 or 2.0. I don't know what comes after that. I don't know what comes after that. I I call it a, um, a singularity or an event horizon. It's a point beyond which we cannot see. All I know is it's there. I can see the horizon. I know we're trucking to it. We're really accelerating toward it. And there'll be something great, the unknown to learn on the other side. Do I believe that we'll be like, oh, this is heaven. I don't have to get, do anything, be anything. It's not kind of in that way. There's a natural Desire inside of us. There's a natural desire of Rudapreen, which means he's getting ready for a nap. There's a natural desire inside of each of us to grow and expand. And that will continue whatever level of consciousness we're at. Whatever we want to call source, God, universe, of which we are all a part, is looking to grow and expand. Even infinite wisdom or knowledge, or whatever we want to call it, wants to learn and grow and expand? How can the infinite want more? It's this innate, um, sort of like the expansion of the universe, this innate desire within everyone and everything.
0: How do you think your teachings of becoming a modern mystic will help us to be able to adapt to the ascension?
1: It's all about vibration, Jeff. And it's about being the most amazing tuning fork in the room. Every one of us has a frequency, a vibration, a song inside of us. When we sing the song we were meant to sing, everybody around us lights up. And you don't have to do it for anybody else. That's just the nature of the beast. In fact, if we hear somebody singing with the most amazing voice, we're all pretty much attracted to them, except in New York City, where it will scare us away because that good energy means somebody must want something. They must have something behind it, you know. But what it means from the School of Mystics is if I help people to vibrate at the highest level that they can, to sing at the greatest song they can, so to speak, and I'm, I'm speaking metaphors here. I'm not speaking, saying speak, singing out loud. What happens is they start to attract other people to singing their greatest song and they attract other people to sing their greatest song and suddenly we go from a uh, uh at best our symphony right now the symphony of humanity is um in, in a warm up you know everybody's playing their own instrument their own way it's pretty discordant there's kind of if you're into the music it, it's exciting because you know there's something great coming up but it it none of it sounds harmonious but As we start to come together, as we start to play our instruments better, we start to come into a symphony, into alignment, into attunement together. And all of a sudden, some crazy, beautiful music's coming out of us. School of Mystics is designed to help you play your music so that you get others in alignment and others in alignment and others in alignment. And we start to sing a symphony of humanity. And that's why I think it's more important now than ever. But on an individual basis, you feel better. You understand the world better. You see things more clearly. Does it mean that you're that uh, there's not going to be any challenges in life? No. Does it mean there's not going to be any pain in life? No. Does it mean there's not going to be any suffering in life? Ah, now we've got now we're getting to the crux of it. Back to suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it full circle. That's a choice. <laughs> the car can run over my foot, and I can go. That hurts like an SOB. Or I go, why, why did you do this of all things? And basically what I'm doing is taking the car and driving it back and forth and back and forth over my foot as many times as I can. That changes.
0: Well, it sounds like what you're doing almost is becoming contagious from one person to another.
1: Amen. That's the goal. That's the goal of vibration is can you vibrate at the greatest frequency so that Others start to vibrate in harmony along with you. And that'll happen if you play your musical instrument, if you play your violin to your heart's content, and you're in a room full of other violins, all of the violins start vibrating. All of the strings start vibrating to your frequency. That's the goal. That's the fun. That's the excitement. It's why this is really fun. And tonight, when I get on air, relatively late at night for me and I didn't sleep at all last night because of baby, no complaint, difference between pain and suffering. And I get on air and I get to help raise people's vibration. I'm having a blast. Because as your vibration goes up and as you start to change other people's vibrations, you are given unlimited energy from the universe. That's our, that's our birthright. We get to play with that.
0: I noticed on your YouTube channel that you have quite a few videos about angels and it appears that you yourself communicate with angels. Yes. Can you tell us how that happened from the beginning?
1: I've known them to be by my side since NDE number one. And I went back to the spot where that happened for at least seven years. I would put my hand on a tree. In fact, a mark formed there over years and say thanks. Thanks for saving my life. Thanks for the shift. Thanks for helping me with everything. But I didn't fully understand that until I started uh, learning a process first to communicate with the Akashic masters, librarians of the universe, and then my own, my in quotes, (laughs) kind of spirit-driven process, awe, the automatic writing experience. Once I started diving into automatic writing on a daily basis, uh, they started becoming much more prevalent in my life, guiding me from day to day, guiding me from almost decision to decision. Uh, Understand your angels are there for your highest good, but they're also teachers. So if you expect them to tell you everything, not going to happen because we're here to learn and grow. Actually, angels, what does that mean, Rue? Why are you grabbing the cord? angels are here to learn and grow as well. Angels are people too. We're all here to learn and grow. But, you know, I call them angels. We can call them guides. We can call them uh, higher dimensional beings. You can call them giant cheeseburgers in the sky. It doesn't matter what you call them. We all have a support network from the other side. We all think we're alone here, which is totally bogus. We all think that we're lost here. Again, totally bogus. We all think there's no purpose, which is totally bogus. You came here with a whole support network and team to help you on your mission of growth and expansion. And it's not about saving the world. You know, I have this great mission. It ain't about the mission. The mission is not about the mission. If there was a mission, it's just all about love. That's the only mission. How can I get into the highest vibrational alignment I can? And Spirit is here with us in whatever form we want to call it to help us get in the highest vibrational alignment we can. Period. Full stop.
0: So are you saying that your primary way that you communicate with the angels is through your automatic writing?
1: Was. Was. Because I started with the pen. And I started communicating with the pen on a daily basis, and then the, if you want to call it voice or voices, or uh, answers to questions without even a voice, started coming to me a little bit, then a little bit more. So we started basically. In the beginning, my automatic writing was a dial-up connection. Then it went to a cable. Then it went to a fiber optic cable, and now it's that fiber optic tunnel, where. Uh, the words are coming through me always, always. It's my choice whether to listen to them or not, or to take action on them or or speak on them or not, but they're always there. They could not leave me now because I've opened that door up so fully. Do I still write every day? Absolutely. That is my, my favorite thing. That's my oxygen. I want to write the spirit because there's no chance at that point of ego getting in the way. Um, It's just this, a stream of consciousness coming from above, so to speak, uh, comes spilling out on the page before me. At the same time, um, I can have the most amazing conversations and understanding with the universe at any point, at any time, because of that.
0: When you're doing your automatic writing, is it pen and paper or are you at a keyboard?
1: I'm at the, the keyboard. I started pen and paper. But I grew up with uh, dyslexic challenges. And as the words started coming more fast and furious, I started reversing letters and reversing words until it was, you know, almost <laughs> gibberish. It's Okay, oh, we're doing great. Almost gibberish coming out on the page. And so now I type, but I type with my, my eyes almost completely closed, kind of going back and forth a little bit Stevie Wonder style. And I got to check and make sure that the fingers are on the right keys or I'm in trouble. Um, uh, but the words just race across the page.
0: Do you feel like you're really witnessing the words or you're just typing them? And then later you have to go back and reread what you wrote because you weren't thinking you were just a conduit.
1: I'm not sure how we would define witnessing. I would say certainly there's no thought going on in the words that come to me. However, there can be conversations. So for instance, um, I downloaded in quotes, tonight's talk that I'll be doing on YouTube. And it's about 100 points, most of which I agree with, some of which I'm going, really? Is that really what we're going to talk about? And, and, you know, my angels guide to be like, hang in there, we're getting there, hang in there, we're going to address that, at which point I will write, hey, is this my ego talking? What's going on here? Am I making this stuff up? And, and, So I'm having this complete conversation. It's very easy to tell really what's coming for me or not, but it's a very rich conversation. It's not like, uh, you know, some booming voice up above, you know, giving me a tablet to carve out a list of 10 things, so to speak. But it's not that I'm like hearing it really and taking dictation. It's just they are present and my fingers put it out on the page.
0: So you're saying you're not hearing it at all. It just comes right through you. Just comes right through. How long did it take you to develop this technique?
1: Yeah, well, the Akashic the Akashic Master's technique uh, that I was taught um, uh, over a decade ago. And the words that came through were so profound. Um, and I thought couldn't have possibly come from uh, spirit, must have come from me. I was told I'd be a, a, a teacher, uh, a teacher, a leader, and speak before thousands and thousands of people from on a mountaintop up on high. And so I put the process away for a year and a half thinking, oh my God, my ego took that over. Mm-hmm. Tried it again, got the same thing, speaker, teacher, mountaintop on high, thousands thousands of people and put it away again. And then in a past life regression, speaker, Uh, or leader, teacher, speak on a mountaintop on a high, blah, blah, blah. And so I started to dive into it and then started to refine the process after that. And many years ago, about the time when I got Rue, I think Rue was saying, (laughs) it's time, daddy. Uh, About the time I got Rue, I was living uh, up on a mountaintop, speaking before thousands and thousands of people and and, uh, teaching and doing some leading and The words had been true. They'd been true all along. The process evolved, and it took years before I was ready to write a book on it because I wanted to write a book that, I don't know, SpongeBob. I don't know how smart SpongeBob is. Never watched SpongeBob. But even SpongeBob could learn automatic writing. And I wanted to spell it out and make it super simple. And so I would write about it. Universe would chime in and say, put it this way, put it that way. How about this? How about that? And it was this co creative process.
0: How is this teachable and learnable?
1: So uh, automaticwriting.com, I've got, I mean, you can go get the book, all the Automatic Writing Experience at Amazon or anywhere. And I recommend support your local book seller, support them, support them, support them. With that said, I have uh, live classes and a video-based program at automaticwriting.com. And that is a super, super simple way to learn. Um, and so can't recommend that enough, just automaticwriting.com. And of course, you can join the School of Mystics if you go to inspirenationuniversity.com, inspirenationuniversity.com. And if you type in, I've got something special for everybody who listens here today. If you type in the uh, coupon code Mystical sixty, then you get sixty dollars off for lifetime <laughs> every month. So, uh, and again, that's Mystical sixty. It is a time where I challenge all of us to not take things as being as they are. Things just are as they are. I don't have a talent. I don't have a skill. I'm not a channel. I'm not a medium. I'm not a mystic. I'm not a this. You're all of those things. You are me. You are spirit. You are uh, a part of God's source, the divine, the light. You are love. It's a matter of rediscovering who and what you're capable of, but as you rediscover it, and one could say, well, you know, how much of a difference could one, forgive me, rue chicken make in the world? This guy's probably going to have a far greater impact in his lifetime than I ever will. (laughs) Because he doesn't know that he can't. He thinks he's great. He knows he's great. You're great. We're all great. And so that's what I'm teaching is helping people rediscover their greatness while connecting to spirit in every means possible.
0: Well, you're like one of the hardest working people in spirituality that I know. You have the, you know, you have the automatic writing course, you have the modern mystics course, you have you're a best-selling author, you have the show. What do you see in your future? And what you are evolving to.
1: So as we record this, I look at my computer and you may make this evergreen, but it says Monday, August 1st at 1, 1, 1 p.m. <laughs> one 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 is going across the screen as you ask that question. Which means I am completely loved and supported for, by the universe and perfectly on track. As I tell you, we're basically stopping interviews as of August 30th. I'm still going to do my live show. I will do very, very rare interviews. It is time to draw inward. It is time to write a lot more. There are at least four books queued up. If we include a root book, there could be a fifth book queued up and waiting to come out. And I get to both shift gears and continuously prune the tree, Jeff, and ask myself, how can I work less? Spend more time. I know we're almost there. You've hung in there well. Spend more time with my daughter. Spend more time with my family. Spend more time with spirit. And I know it's hard for the egoic mind. This brings us full circle again. Because we were scaring ego a lot earlier with that, you know, that silent spot that sent Rue off. Is um, the more time that I can step back. I believe the more without... More sounds like a gimme, gimme, gimme. But the more time that I can step back, the greater my evolution will be, the greater my learnings will be, the greater my teachings will be, my understandings and my ability to help everyone. So that's the next step is uh, doing less, you could say, to do more or doing less without even being attached to an outcome of more.
0: After watching this podcast... If people have questions, is it best to ask them on your website or ask yeah. you on YouTube videos
1: or what? Well, you can go live. You can see me every Monday night live on uh, YouTube. I have a uh, a live show at inspire YouTube.com backslash Inspire Nation show. And I have a live event every Monday night. Ask your question there. Join our School of Mystics. Ask your question there. You can send in your question through the website, but I do get a torrent of emails and and contacts. And I love everybody, but I can't respond to everybody there. But I do my best to answer as many questions live on the air as I can. That's Mm -hmm. when, that's the easiest time for me. Because like tonight, I'll speak from approximately 8.30 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. without any sleep (laughs) and without being tired. And somewhere around 9.30, I'll take at least a good half an hour of questions and I'm so plugged into spirit at that point that it's just wild what comes out. Um, but I'm, I'm there to serve. What do you
0: normally talk about during your live events, especially that is different from the School of Mystics and Automatic Writing?
1: So the live events take a topic and and hit it on a um, a top surface level. They don't dive very deep. They help give you some understanding. They help open the door. They help get your foot in the door. Once we go into automatic writing, we're diving deep. Once we go into School of Mystics, which is these highest level teachings, we're really diving deep. So what the live events do is they get your foot in the door.
0: All right. Well, Michael, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message?
1: soak it all in there is so much goodness there is so much greatness and my baby has started crying and i can be all nervous and and you can see he's getting really tall he's getting really concerned right here and we're gonna get the crow in a minute i can look at that and i'm gonna get off air and take care of her in a second And, and my wife's already there i can look at that and go oh god oh bliss oh that or i can go wow this place is amazing this place is incredible this place is so cool." And I can then seek with that energy to do things, to experience things, to live things, to embody things that are vibrating at this level of coolness and excitement and joy and love and and, and... (sighs) amazement. Every kid has this, Jeff. When a kid is born, they're looking at the world with childlike eyes. If I can challenge everybody here to just for one brief moment, look at the world with childlike eyes. You're on a computer. How cool is that? Or you're driving a car. How cool is that? Or your baby, your rooster, just let a feather go in front of you. How cool is that? I think that alone would change everything.
0: Michael, thank you for that message. And thank you again for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you and I wish you massive success in whatever you're doing.
1: Thank you so much, Jeff. The same goes to you as well, and I'm sure Rue is saying the same. This is his first uh, uh, full interview, so I think he was amazing. Getting better than this,
0: you know. I mean, uh, he may have to join you on on subsequent interviews.
1: <laughs> I'll share this with our audience. I'll share this with everybody I know. Oh, oh yeah, I
0: know. <laughs> yes, he's in agreement. <laughs>
1: Lots of love, Jeff. This has been so much fun and lots of love to everybody out
0: there. Likewise, have a great rest of your day. You too.
1: Woohoo!
0: Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.